Hello, Bakersfield. I'm Andre Gonzalez. I'm Miranda Whitworth. I'm Jesus Gonzalez. I'm Carla Barrientos. And you're listening to Hello, Bakersfield, the podcast that covers topics far and wide from local farms to tables and doesn't care at all about what people think. Oh, <laughs> wow. Get it? Hear it? Get it? I, that, I see what you did there. Yeah, that was Genius. painful. Sorry, guys. <laughs> really, no, sort of at the bottom of the barrel on that one. <laughs> but uh, good morning. Hello. Good morning. Bakersfield <laughs> team. How's it going? Doing great. Hey, we have a fill-in guest or host today. That is Miranda Whitworth. Welcome to the Hello Bakersfield team. It's awesome to be here. Thank you for asking me. We're, I appreciate it. Rachel Magnus, our regular host, is on special assignment uh, somewhere out in... Curating a beautiful story to share with you all when she returns. Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for that one. But uh, in the meantime, in her stead, we have Miranda Whitworth, who was a guest of the podcast a few uh, months ago, and we're very pleased that she is with us this morning. So thank you. And yeah, no is the reigning queen, if I might add on listens. Um, I think you have the most listens on your podcast. So. You guys always tell me that, and I'm just like... <laughs> So flattered, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and yeah, I love this podcast. It's great. I subscribe, I listen, and I'm happy to be here. So thank you. So listeners, take note. She not only listens, but she has subscribed. She downloads the podcast on a regular basis, and she shares it with all of her friends and family. I most definitely do. I'm a like billboard for Hello Bakersfield. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard you even rated us, too. I did. I gave you a five-star rating. What? Like, wow. listen, subscribe, and comment to, push, to like, what? Let's boost it, right? Isn't that what you're always supposed to do? Absolutely. Podcasts right. you like? All right. So if you're listening out there and you haven't done it, shame on you, one. And two, pull over, do it. And then resume. So Miranda's going to be a regular uh, fill-in uh, host for our program, even though I didn't ask her yet. She, <laughs> I'll be your alternate. You've been voluntold. I can be the alternate. Yeah. I think we're going to rotate in and out here uh, over the next few months. But uh, anyway, that whole carrot pun, as painful as it was, is in honor of our guest today, Dylan Wilson, who's the program manager for the Edible Schoolyard of Kern County. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me. This we're excited. Super awesome. We're excited that you're here, and I say that to every guest, but I'm really excited because you actually have listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've listened. I've subscribed. I'm definitely a promoter. I love that we have something like that. I'm I'm a huge podcast listener in general, so it's nice to have something homegrown and close to home. So I love it. Awesome. Well, we're going to get to your segment in just a minute, and uh, Jesus will introduce you more uh, formally. But before we do that, our first segment is the Bakersfield Buzz. I'm interested, team, in what's going on in Bakersfield. What's happening in your neck of the woods? What are the streets saying? What's the hot tea? What is the hot tea? <laughs> Spill it, Well, Carla. my hot tea is we're finally in October. This is my birthday month. Mm -hmm. This is like my favorite time. Um, I'm really into Halloween. It's fantastic. And What's going on for me is now that I'm a parent, I have to look at Halloween a little bit different. My costume will look different than it has in other years. Um, and now I'm costume shopping for my kid too and event shopping for where am I going to take him, trick or treat. I mean, granted, he's only one. So all the candy that he gets is for me, but I've been looking around and seeing what's going on around town. And there's actually... I was pleasantly surprised. There's quite a few family-friendly Halloween events going on, and I'm excited to do these. Um, there's Boo at the Zoo. I love Calm. 
and all the animals out there. And they do a, a nice setup for a couple of days, uh, late October. So I plan on hitting that. So and is that an evening event? It is. Okay. Yes. And um, uh, actually, I think it's kind of like day to evening, okay. you know, kind of full day. Um, I think it's like October 20th, somewhere around there. And then they also have um, the Safe Halloween at the Kern County Museum. And which I hear is a really big event. I have a few friends that have attended. So it's funny, you know, my, my Halloween used to be, you know, fun, wild parties. And <laughs> I may still go to a few of those, but it's interesting to to have that change. And I, I was going to ask you, you all, have you, do you remember Scream in the Dark? Yes. Do you all remember that? I do. Okay. Is that a movie? So well, it's, you like, remember, it's like he's, a haunted house, right? Oh, it's like a haunted, haunted house. house. So okay. it's, I think every city and town has this, you know, it's a haunted house with rooms. And I, when I was thinking the other night about Halloween and now that I have a kid and wanting to take him to different things, I want to take him to one of these frightening homes at some <laughs> point. But it took me back to when I went through Scream in the Dark uh-huh. when I was about 15 years old. And I thought I was going to be so cool and go through and every room would be awesome. Well, I ended up freaking out and running out. <laughs> oh and God. when I got to the exit, I looked down and I was missing a shoe. Oh my <laughs> no. Please do not tell me you had to go back in. Oh my God. So I was like super embarrassed and I had to go and talk to an employee and they had to go oh in and find my shoe. So it, it, it was it was pretty embarrassing, but... I plan on redeeming myself because I got to build up the courage because I can't do that in front oh, of my kid. No. No, so no, 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 no. <laughs> I plan on going. I hope we have still have something like that in town because I also plan on going it's to It's funny that. you mentioned that one of my favorite childhood memories was going to scream in the dark with my older brother. He's 15 years older and I was only like, I don't know, maybe 10 years old. Mm. And he took me and it was at uh, right next to the Young's Market on Nile Street. There was an old Kmart. It used to be a Kmart, I think. Uh-huh. And you know, as as these um, big box stores leave, and the the you know buildings are empty, and they repurpose them for temporary uses. Well, they had Scream in the Dark there in that building, and uh, it was a huge line. I mean, it used to be very popular back in the day. Yeah. Scream in the Dark. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Everyone went. Everybody yeah. was there. Yeah. So he and I went through it, and it was a lot of fun. And um, no, that was a good time. Good yeah. memories. You don't remember seeing the girl who only had one shoe on? You know, I do remember tripping <laughs> over a shoe, actually. <laughs> no. yeah. Very cool. So that's what's going on with me. Yeah. How about you, Miranda? Well, I have a 12-year-old who every day wants to have less and less to do with me. So I'm back. No, he loves me. He loves to hug me and ask me for money and go back to his room and come out when he's hungry and whatever, just fine. Um, So I'm back into the um, wild and crazy slutty Halloween now. I've gone back. I've gone back to that. I got a few costumes if you want to raid my closet. If I could fit into your costumes, I would be like, Um, no, but there's a really cool event coming up on the 12th actually so like this weekend um that the 12th of october that is called the coven crawl and Mm, the bartender from one of the bartenders from the tiki co karina who is um an amazing mixologist and travels the country learning and bringing her craft back i mean she's always in new orleans or down in la um at these cocktail conventions these mixology conventions she's having a a pub crawl that'll Tiki Co will be involved, of course, but it's pretty much she's got this cool Instagram page that's all just vintage Halloween and film noir stuff and cool illustrations getting people's attention. Um, but 
it's rocking and rolling on the 12th. And so every, every it's a bunch of women. So you all dress up kind of like witches. American Horror Story style, I think, Coven. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so I already got my already got my thing. And I'm excited to actually have a, I think the pub crawls in Bakersfield can be a little, um, how can I say this? <laughs> Ratchet, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, my husband's played a few pub crawls. We've definitely (laughs) been there for the aftermath of some pub crawls. And so this one, I think, is going to be a little bit more high end, um, a little bit more female centric. And is this open to the public? Yeah, it's like y'all get together and crawl. So oh, I think it's gonna cool. be good. I'm okay, excited. I might have to knock I mean, that's not one of those. I'm looking. Sexy I'm costumes. looking for someone that's gonna come with me. So I'm not that I won't know a bunch of people there. I'm sure. <laughs> right. <You'll- laughs> but uh, that's kind of like what I'm looking forward to. I love Halloween Ooh. though. I mean, we're going into the holidays, which is like pretty much my jam because I'm into the party. Mm-hmm. I'm into the food. Um, I'm like, re- I'm a real positive person. So any time of year where people are like. Merry Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> time off from work. Like when they're when people are happy, I'm like, yes, this is my time. So I'm just stoked for like the next few months of just like indulgence and debauchery and then sadness in January. <laughs> you know, the winter blues is no joke though. I mean, people really go through it after yeah. the holidays. Yeah, they do. They do. It is no it is no joke. But you know what? January, you're finishing football. You got the Super Bowl to look forward to. Yep. There's always something to look forward to. Everyone's going to be fine. Everything. Yes, Everyone's we'll make be it fine. Through. We don't. We don't even have to think about that. No, right we now. don't no. have to think about that right now. <laughs> We're still in October, people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the J Lo and um, uh, Shakira halftime show. Speaking of football, ooh, oh, for Super Bowl, yeah, yes. for Super Bowl, yeah. What? So I'm like, I need to find a Super Bowl party to go to because that is going to be one amazing performance. Yes. But um, that's that's uh, something I'm looking forward to in the future. But I wouldn't be true to myself if I didn't share that I was also very into this whole uh, impeachment proceedings. That's Ooh. been just something that's I've, that I've been really you know into lately. I'm sure you've all been following along. Um, but there's just so much going on right now, I think, on the national level. Um And then also in the state level, I've been reading a lot about, um, I've been reading a lot about um, something that just fled my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I hate when that happens. Sounds interesting. I I was thinking, you you know, you need a Super Bowl party to go to, maybe an impeachment party too. Right. I I can definitely plan one of those. But um, it is definitely a very exciting time in Bakersfield. Um, it is an exciting time. <laughs> um, oh, I did want to bring up something that I wanted to talk to Andre about is I did see in the Bakersfield Californian that um, the city had narrowed uh, down the location for the low barrier shelter to two different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're probably not allowed to really speak too much into detail about that because in the article they said that they were not they would not be disclosing the location until I think October 25th. Um, so that's something exciting to look forward to. And it, it it's exciting to see that. Um, progress is being made and that that's literally right around the corner. Uh, I'm thrilled about it. You know, I've been working behind the scenes and in front of the cameras on this issue related to homelessness uh, for, I don't know, two years now. Um, And, you know, people ask, well, why, why haven't you responded quicker? Is it, look, we we all knew that homelessness was going to be a problem. We, even two, three years ago, we knew that this crisis was only going to grow and we saw it in other communities. We knew it was going to happen in Bakersfield. 
and we knew we needed the resources. That's why um, I, you know, campaigned very hard for Measure N, even though a lot of people weren't very excited about the one cent sales tax. But now we have the resources to actually do something. We budgeted money, five, uh, four million dollars for um, a new shelter, new emergency shelter. And um, once that budget was approved in June, we then started working expeditiously to to locate a site. The original site, our initial concept was to go to Wild Park, um, and we were trying to kind of expedite the process of get something up and running so that we can respond to the immediate needs. But community members were very upset about that, and so we took a second look and said, "Look, let's look at a whole uh, panoply of." Um, of options. Let's go and look at various different properties and assess them one by one. So we had a list of over 50 sites that were possible, and we've narrowed that down to finally two with whom we're in negotiations. And so I'm very excited about finally narrowing in. Actually, today I'm going to a, um, by the time this podcast is out, it'll probably be announced, but I'm I'm going to a um, site visit for the final for the final selection. And I did read that it was in kind of like a light industrial area. So the impact to homeowners would be kind of really at at a minimum, which I think is a really smart idea. Yeah. So we, you know, we do that for, you know, for a couple of reasons. One is uh, we don't won't need a um, conditional use permit. We can kind of open a shelter by right because it's already zoned. That's, you know, we have zoning in this community, which tells us what uses, uh, what areas are, are, um, are, are, what uses are intended for what area. And we also, um, two, uh, we want to stay away from sensitive uses. So as you mentioned, residential areas, schools, schools. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, there's some pretty exciting kind of things in yeah. the works, some innovative ideas of how to really make this a state-of-the-art facility, yeah. make it safe for the entire community. And I'm excited about rolling it out. Well, and it is nice too. Like I, um, I was reading um, about you know the homeless population in San Francisco and kind of the lack of intervention from the city and residents were taking it upon themselves to um, install. Um, there was one uh, neighborhood who installed these huge kind of boulders on the streets to kind of keep off um, the homeless and um, to kind of curb um, uh, the selling of drugs and other things that had kind of plagued the neighborhood. So it's it's nice to see that our city is actually. Um, you know, doing something about it and, and taking it into um, taking it it into account, where other cities are maybe just kind of ignoring the problem. Um, it's nice that we're seeing some movement here. So I, I am proud um, that we are um, being leaders in that area. So thanks to Andre and to the the rest of the folks working on that. Well, it's a tricky issue. It's a sticky issue because there's a lot of um, opinions. There's a lot mm-hmm. of emotion involved. And so, you know, the way I look at it, first and foremost, it's a humanitarian crisis in that Absolutely. there are a lot of people suffering on our streets who are disabled, who are who are chronically disabled, who are work, living with um, significant mental illness or behavioral health issues, who are, um, yes, drug addicted, um, and who need help. And so we have to provide as many resources as possible. That's why I'm really excited and proud that we were able to get the funding secured for an emergency shelter. The city has never done this before. Yeah. The city of Bakersfield has never, in a significant way, with local dollars, mm-hmm. funded 
any type of homeless related services or social services. So this is a first for the city, but it's important for us to take care of those people who are most vulnerable. But the other piece of it too is enforcement because there are a lot of property owners and business owners who are very frustrated with um, not homelessness per se, but but other issues that are also percolating throughout the community that sometimes people attribute to homelessness, but maybe that may not be correct. The case. Um, you know, the rise in property crime, for example, uh, vandalism, mm-hmm. all of those things are also creating a lot of stress in our community right now. And again, people say, oh, it's the homeless. That, that necessarily might not be true. Um, but we have to address that as well. And so, you know, it's, it's, it gets very complicated very quickly, but, yes. we're, um, but we're trying to pick away at each issue. Yeah. Well, do you think you guys are going about it in the right way and not... Um, you know, I think our current administration was talking about outlawing homelessness. Like, I don't think you can just do that. I think you have to deal with it on um, a deeper level. Like you said, it's a humanitarian issue. These are our people that we're dealing with. And I think just simply um, making it criminal to be homeless, I think, is not the answer. That's just kind of trying to brush it under the rug. But um yeah, that's that's uh, it's interesting. I'm I'm interested to see how uh, what the effect will be once these barriers are, are put into place. So, um, again, thank you to all of the city officials who are working on that, and I think we need to continue to support those efforts and to be um, open minded in how we deal with these um, with these sensitive issues. Yeah, totally. I, and I one of the things that I've kind of noticed is it's really hard to rally people beyond, behind a cause or especially um, maybe like a humanitarian effort that costs money for lower income folks when they're not seeing a problem. So <clears throat> tax increases, a lot of people are against tax increases. A lot of people are against maybe social welfare or benefits for people who are living, mm-hmm. you know, in vulnerable situations until that starts to cross over into their kind of sphere of existence and you're yeah. seeing property crime or you're seeing vandalism and you're attributing it to people that may be living on the streets without a home. But you're 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 seeing these problems really ignite and grow because there has never been an infrastructure and it was hard to inspire people to care, to open their wallet, to pay 1% tax, to do anything that's going to get out there and help people until it's a problem that's almost spiraled out of control. And then you've got Mm -hmm. the same people who don't want to pay taxes that also want to see a lot of money invested in getting people off the streets. And arresting everyone just isn't really a, it's not an option. It's not legal. And and it's not right. No, it's not right. And then talk about not wanting to spend a bunch of money, how much does it cost to incarcerate thousands of people for no mm-hmm. reason other than they don't have a place to live? I so, know that's not what I want my tax dollars to go to. I don't to. want my tax dollars to go to that <laughs> either. You know, so one of those one of the things that I want to try to get through to people, especially mm-hmm. people that have a hard time with with taxes or yeah. conceptualizing being more um, compassionate towards towards people mm-hmm. either that are in lower income brackets that are of a different skin color, um, maybe LGBTQ. Yeah. You have a set of the population that really don't want to reach out and help those people, don't want to spend any money on it. How do you inspire them and ignite some sort of compassion in them to start addressing a problem before it becomes you know, something yeah. that you've got people on the radio complaining about every single day. So, well, yeah, and you it's, really have to important. move away from that mentality. Like you said, like it's not in my, like not my, it's not in my scope. If I don't have to deal with it, it's not my problem kind of thing right? until it really And they need is to get late. it. Why are they, why can't they just stop being poor? Why can't they just stop doing drugs? Like that's not, 
that frame of mind doesn't help anyone. We need to get ahead of the problem and be proactive, not reactive. And unfortunately, it's really hard to get people to care and be proactive. So finally, Mm -hmm. we have to be, we're being reactive now. And hopefully the infrastructure that's put in place is going to solve a lot of the problems that you'll see continuing to grow as Bakersfield grows. I mean, we're becoming a big city. You're going to have all of the things that go along with a big city, a great economy, maybe a homeless population, lots of construction, that sort of thing. Like embrace the fact that we are a big city and you've got to take the good with the bad and you've got to be proactive, not reactive. So I'm happy to see some change. I'm happy to see people starting to finally care and, yeah. you know, put accept that they're, yes, they are paying taxes. And yes, that money is going to go to something that's going to improve our community. Yeah. Good job, guys. Good job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we, we can have a whole episode on right? this issue because there's a lot there. Uh, but we're going to move on. Uh, I'll just share one, one of my uh, biggest buzz items is that the last council meeting or a few council meetings ago, um, we approved a contract. The city council approved a contract with a vendor um, that will install 507 body worn cameras in our police department. And so this is a Very huge cool. move. We've we've um, been piloting a project for uh, well over a year with various different vendors looking for the most appropriate one uh, for the city. But th- this program, as you've seen in other cities, is is really effective in in uh, protecting. Um, our communities and protecting the police department because you have those cameras, you have the, you know, you have data, real data to show what actually happened during incidents. And so um, the city is actually spending $3 million uh, on these wow. cameras and we will have a service agreement with the, with the vendor. Um, so it's exciting. There, there will be around 200 cameras over the next 90 days installed. So we're moving wow. very quickly. And uh, chief Lyle Martin um, I had the chance to meet him this week um, and hear him speak. And uh, for those of you who don't know who he is or who haven't met him, um, he, I think, is bringing about such a positive um, culture change in the police department. He is very uh, for transparency. He um, is very for um you know, kind of instilling emotional intelligence into police officers to really reduce the use of force. Um, so I think, uh, you know, coupled with that, I think we're going to see really big change in the Bakersfield Police Department. And it's it's really inspiring. I'm, I hope to have him on the show to kind of get his, um, you know, perspective on what he's doing to change that, that culture. Um, but it is, uh, I think we're moving in the right direction that's by great. doing that. So I think that's, I think that's great. But that kind of brings us to um, our next segment of the show, and I want to take a moment to introduce Dylan Wilson, who is a program manager of the Edible Schoolyard of Kern County. Um, Before stepping into his current role, Dylan served as the assistant garden educator at the Buena Vista Edible Schoolyard, and most recently a supply chain coordinator at Grimway Farms in Lamont, California. Um, He's no stranger to edible education and food literacy, literacy (laughs) and we're very excited to have him here um so welcome dylan um can you tell us a little bit more about this uh annual event that you guys do it's called the the toast to taste or taste to toast yeah (laughs) yeah so once again thanks for having me so cool to be here um toast and taste so the edible schoolyard kern county um hosts an annual fall event um toast and taste the season uh the entire event is revolved around food curated by our own edible educators and their kind of culinary expertise. Um, some of the best food I've ever had has come out of our 
out of our kitchens. I mean, the, our educators just get to experiment and try all these new, creative, wonderful ideas with food, and it is beautiful. Um, it's some of the coolest stuff in the world. So what the what the event is is it's a fundraiser where we can showcase some of those recipes and their pairings, so beer and wine pairings, and it gives everyone an experience to see the garden in the evening, and it's magical. Um, all of the proceeds are going to go towards our sponsoring our summer camp programs at Grimway Academy, Arvin and Shafter, um, and and to our um, overall kind of program. And it's there are initiatives. Can you tell us a little bit more about this program and um, what makes it so special? It's not something that every community has um, this edible, you know, schoolyard because it really is focused on uh, teaching. Um, well, you tell us a little bit yeah. more about it. <laughs> no, I'll kind of start with the the fundamentals of what an edible schoolyard is. Mm-hmm. Um, an edible schoolyard is a an education space with a garden and kitchen classroom setting where students K through six, K through eight, students of all ages, even ourselves, um, can experience edible education. Being, you know, food literacy, knowing where your food comes from, how to grow your food, how to cook your food, eat your food, enjoy your food. It's kind of our kind of slogan, grow, cook, eat, enjoy. But um, it it encompasses all of these different items that promote wellness and promote living a kind of whole foods kind of lifestyle um, and knowing where everything comes from and how it's, how it's a part of a bigger picture that we're all a part of in this kind of thing called life. Um, and we're able to teach students this. So in our program, we teach K through six students, um, at our Buena Vista location, and then we reach out to K through eight in Arvin at Grimway Academy, and then K through six right now at Grimway Academy Shafter. So right now we're at about twenty five hundred students a day that we wow. serve daily um, or monthly over throughout our programs. Um, but our entire motive is to teach these kids how to take care of a garden and how to cook and how to use a knife and how to use garden clippers and how to take care of a garden bed and it's an interactive experience that goes beyond our common core standards, our NGSS standards, and gives them something that most students never get to experience. I never experienced anything like that at school. Um, at home, I was a little bit more um, exposed to it, but we create that we create that environment and that space for them to experience these kind of new new tools of the trade that we're, I think we'll see eventually start rising throughout, you know, the country. Um, it's kind of a hidden movement right now, um, but it's pretty awesome. Dylan, where did you grow up? I grew up in Bakersfield. Okay. Yeah. So wow. you, you grew up in Bakersfield, but had no experience in agriculture. Born and raised. Yeah. yeah. My I didn't come from a farming family. The closest thing would have been my grandparents working in the fields uh-huh. when, when they came to the valley. Um, but that's as close as I ever got to it. Um, of course, just being surrounded by it in the community. Uh, but that's the extent of it. My my kind of passion with food started as a kid. My first experience was with my grandma, my nanny Jan, uh, and she made zucchini bread. And it was I remember that was the first time I ever put together that zucchini's a plant, zucchini's in the kitchen, now zucchini's in my bread. It was the weirdest thing, and I, I still remember that, yeah. That's amazing. You know, I, I I like these seeing this sort of curricula in the school because not only I, I feel like forever for millennia, um, the act of you know uh, harvesting, preparing, and feeding is really something that's uh, very female centric, or has mm-hmm. always been a a role that women take on in the household. And so when you're having an entire classroom get out there, 
you're bringing, you know, boys into the kitchen that maybe, mm-hmm. you know, they'll that's not really going to be something that they're interested in or just because of family dynamic. Maybe it's the girls that are going to be cooking. Um, you know, I I do most of the cooking at my house. Matt, of course, makes breakfast and does whatever. But one of the things that I'm trying to do is be like, Zach, you really need to learn how to cook, man. I mean, this is a <laughs> this is a skill that is going to be so important. If you can't feed yourself, yeah. what what are you even doing with your life? So I think it's great that you're you're taking you're taking this concept and you're putting it in front of a classroom where where you've got boys, you've got girls, you've got people that non-identifying people, um, but you're you're giving them a skill that's really been kind of relegated to one gender. I think it's really really amazing. That yeah, you're, you're putting this in people's heads like from a very early age. Yeah, we don't we don't care who you are or where you came from as long as we can get to the point of you knowing about food and its benefits. That's the entire purpose. I think what's also really cool about this is, you know, when you hear about the uh, child obesity rates and then childhood um, diabetes, I think lack of um, lack of kind of knowing where your food come from comes from and how that plays with your body. I think knowing that at an early age or being taught that at an early age is so important because I think as adults, we never got that food literacy and we don't know we don't necessarily know, you know, having, I don't know, orange chicken from Panda Express every day is bad for you, you know, mm-hmm. or having vegetables prepared a certain way is bad for you. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, by being taught that at an early age, you're able to make better choices um, as you grow and as an adult. And a lot of times being taught um, when you're teaching children, they're able to bring that back to their um, their homes and they're able to share that with their parents who may be food illiterate. I don't know if that's the right term to use. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the term to use is food illiterate. Um, it'd just be our opposite, but, and that's, you're speaking on exactly what, what started and what was, was that catalyst to starting all of these programs? Um, is that obesity rate in Kern County and our own epidemic, whether we see it every day or not, or whether we hear the numbers and then alongside the food insecurity issue, um, and, and our rural areas having so-called food deserts, um, where they don't have access or easy access to fresh produce. And second, on the second hand, they might have no idea of what to do with it. Um, you know, if you go out hand a, hand a head of lettuce to, to a random individual, it could be in Bakersfield, it could be anywhere. The only thing they're going to know what to do with that is throw it in the trash. That's the first thing that they know what to do. Um, so it's about teaching and, and educating and making sure that they do know once they have that opportunity with that. What um what's in the garden? What are you growing? Yeah, so it, we're in a transition period right now. Um, we're not the typical production farm. We're an education space. So we come out of the summer with all of our summer crops um, towards a, a few weeks before the beginning of the, our school year, our, our edible education school year, and we start planting all of our fall vegetables. So all of our lettuces, all of our brassicas, so your cauliflower, broccoli, cabbage, um, we've got beans and peas still in the garden, about to put plant peas. Um, we've got some late season sweet potatoes right now. Um, we've got our radishes, a lot of root crops, carrots, rutabagas, turnips. Um, we're kind of, we have this kind of rotating planting cycle that we go off of to always have something available for the kids. Um, and that's, that's the entire purpose. When, 
you know, hearing all those items you have, and I'm thinking about kids that mm-hmm. I know I'm an educator and I work with kids every day. And, you know, hot Cheetos yeah. are a fan favorite. Uh-huh. Takis Fuego are way <laughs> up there, too. Um, do you get an opportunity to see the kids try these items that they cook, you know, that they grow, they cook, they prepare, and see how they're responding to cauliflower when, you know, they just had a bag of hot Cheetos oh, in their backpack? Yeah. <laughs> this is, it is so cool to see this. Um, we, in our kitchens, we make sure that every kid at least tries what they've made. They have to at least take a bite. Um, whether it's a tiny bite or any bite, they have to give it a taste. Um, and, and when they do that, it is some of the, I've, it's some of the coolest experiences I've ever seen. So we had a, we had a student a couple of weeks ago at the Kern County Fair um, come to our mobile kitchen that we had out at, out at the Casey Farm and we were serving cumin roasted carrots. Um, and this student came up. Sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can we have some? Could <laughs> you have brought those in, you know? <laughs> I, sh- I should have brought snacks today. I'm sorry. Uh, but the we had these cumin roasted carrots, and I love them. And this kindergarten, maybe first grader, came up and tried it, and and he went right after him. And the mom came up to Hannah, our our garden um, administrator, or our kitchen administrator, and said, that was the first time my child's ever tried a carrot. Wow. It was the first time they'd ever even wanted to try a carrot. So if you bring the experience with the kids, they're going to love it. And it's it's magical what what can be done when you just give them the space to try these new things and they're kind of out of their normal zone of, no, I'm not going to try that. That's green. That's gross. I'm not doing it. It smells funny. It gives them that opportunity. That opportunity... For, for ownership, too, of, you know, I did this. Yeah. You know, I am the one who made this happen. I I am so impressed hearing this. Um, it, now, is this something that um, the public can take an opportunity to enjoy? Um, do you do any type of, like, adult cooking classes, or can families come in? Yeah, so we have a couple of opportunities throughout the year for the public to join in. Um, we have a... We do have public garden classes. One of those is going to launch... Um, in the next couple of weeks, and it'll be a composting class. Um, and that will be for the public to come in and get a skills-based workshop on gardening, specifically compost this session. And then there'll be a few more throughout the school year um, on different garden topics. We do public um, cooking classes as well. They are kind of more towards a private cooking class at this point. Um, but we're constantly developing those public programs for the public to enjoy. Um, and that's alongside our summer camp, which is a huge hit the first two or three weeks of summer. And uh, then our plant sale is the other time for the public to join in. Um, But we also have our mobile kitchen, which is all around town right now. So if you see it, stop and say hi, because it's, it's an experience in itself. Now, the edible schoolyard concept was actually modeled after the edible schoolyard in Berkeley, uh, which was uh, initiated by Alice Waters, a famous chef and restaurateur and uh, owner of Chez Panisse in Berkeley. Um, tell us about that, the origins uh, of the edible schoolyard and kind of the evolution mm-hmm. since, the, since the founding. Yeah, I love talking about this. This was my senior thesis. I talked about the history of edible education and where it's going. But the it all kind of started late 60s, early 70s when the world was starting wanting to understand what they were a part of and where their food was coming from. And that was kind of the first glimpse that anybody saw of edible education. And then through that, Alice Waters 
had this had her restaurant and then saw the need for uh, edible education in in Berkeley um, as they were under the kind of scrutiny of a food desert at that time in, in the local neighborhood where the the edible schoolyard and project is at um, and and she started this in the um, 20 yeah about 20 years ago in the late ni- mid 90s um, she started the edible schoolyard project which served the students of the Berkeley area um, through their development they began to reach out on a national level to train other school sites and partner with other people that were wanting to do the same thing that they had done. So that's where we had fallen into um, into that model of becoming an edible schoolyard rather than a school farm or a school garden. It's got there's a there's a lot there's a high standard that comes behind being an edible schoolyard. Um, but Alice Waters went into that, and she's she's been um, recognized um, nationally. Uh, President Obama recognized her. Um, wow. and with, I don't remember the award now, same one that Ellen got. Um, but she, she was recognized nationally for her efforts in promoting wellness and, and, and bringing in this new kind of education. That's amazing. No question. So you're, you're getting these kids who yeah. don't really have an exposure maybe to fruits, vegetables, fresh foods, that sort of thing. And you're trying to, you're enticing them by a, they're out there getting their hands in the dirt. They're picking the vegetables, they're going and they're preparing it. A lot of them will naturally want to try, but how do you select like the recipes and the preparation methods? Like, what what kind of what kind of like flavors, taste? Like you mentioned, cumin roasted carrots. What are you using to kind of make a connection with the kids, just so they they have like a I don't know some sort of flavor, um, you know, that they that they recognize, or maybe something you know that they could see in their own kitchen. What you know? How do you how do you decide what flavors to bring in? Seasonality is a huge has a huge part of that. Um, fall is going to have a lot of different tastes than spring is going to have. Um, and so we're able to, our, and our fall vegetables are going to be different than our spring vegetables. So that's our, that's the main component of that, um, of, of deciding those recipes and planning that out. Secondly, we, we travel all around the world when we're doing our recipes. So, um, if they want to go with an Indian dish, they're going to have certain spices and herbs that are, that are part of it. Or if they want to go, on a more um, on a more South American dish, they can totally go all the way around the world with what they're doing. Um, they can go into an Asian cuisine, and we give them the opportunity to see that and experience that in a, a lot of different recipes and lessons. Um, I'll leave it there. Hey, uh, quickly, <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted to touch bases on uh, another topic. Yeah, Dylan Wilson. You grew up in Bakersfield. I did. Where'd you go to school? Uh, went to. S- well, do you want me to go all the way back? Yeah, why not? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Where'd you go to preschool? I went. <laughs> Where'd you go to daycare? <laughs> Who is your babysitter? Um, so I'll start with kindergarten. I actually went to kindergarten at Buena Vista Elementary. Uh-huh. Um, so full circle for me. Sure. Um, first grade went to Sandrini. Uh, my mom was an elementary school teacher, so I hopped around with her the first couple of years. And then second to sixth, went to Stockdale Elementary where my mom taught. Uh, went to Tevis Junior High, and then I ended up at Bakersfield Christian for high school and then stayed in town for college, went to BC and Cal State. Okay. So I've stayed here for all of my education purposes. What did you study at Cal State? Agribusiness. Perfect. Yeah, so it's a new program, uh, new and growing, quickly growing program, but I loved it. It was so awesome. Great. And uh, so after college then, did you jump right into working for the... 
edible schoolyard? So I worked as the assistant uh, garden educator throughout my last three years of school. And then once I graduated, went to Grimway Farms for two years and then recently came back to the edible schoolyard as the programs manager. So I've been actively involved with the ESY for five years total. Um, yeah. Awesome. What a fantastic CSUB alum. I'm also <laughs> an alum, so I have to plug that. Yeah. So Pride go runners. runners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to move on to our third segment. And you said you're, lis- you're a listener, so you know what to expect. This is 73 questions inspired by Vogue, 73 questions. I have to mention Vogue so they don't slap us with a uh, lawsuit. Um, <laughs> a cease and desist. Yeah, uh, but we want to thank them. But before we do so, you know, if anyone wants more information on the Edible Schoolyard, they can visit edibleschoolyard.org. Is that right? That's for the Edible Schoolyard project. Okay. Our own, uh, our own website is www.edibleschoolyard.org. ESYKernCounty.org. ESYKernCounty.org. Perfect. All right. So 73 questions inspired by Vogue. 73 questions. What we're doing is we'll put five minutes on the clock and we're going to ask you a lightning round of questions. We're all going to take turns about you. Okay. Your person. Okay. And uh, we want you to give us the most honest and earnest answer. I feel like Taylor Swift right now. I don't know that reference, but we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to, I mean, I know Taylor Swift. I just don't understand why. You, I don't she's know She's on her. 73 questions. Oh, I, well, the, come the, down where I care. A lot of people. Yeah. Somebody's not subscribing to Vogue. <laughs> I watched a number of them. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're going to ask you as many as possible. We're going to count them up and then we'll see how you do. And we're going to begin with our villain host, Miranda. We'll go to Jesus, Carla, and myself, and we'll keep taking turns Therefore, we will hopefully, hopefully you will actually dominate. Because <laughs> it's a competition. Dun, 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 yeah. Okay. Dun, dun. Let's see if we can get, <laughs> All right. let's see if we can get 73 questions. Okay. All right. Here we go. And now. What do you do on your birthday? Hang out. What is one challenge you've had to overcome in the city of Bakersfield? The heat. Um, what's your, what's the best part of your day? My cup of coffee in the morning. Who has had the biggest impact on your life? My nanny, Jan. What's your favorite movie? Die Hard. What is a bad habit of yours? Ooh, I touch my facial hair too much. Besides Hello Bakersfield, what's your favorite podcast? Radiotopia. Uh, it's the one made out of San Quentin Prison. Oh, Ear Hustle. Ear Hustle. That's yep. a good one. <laughs> if you could travel back in time 20 years and you had five seconds to tell a younger self one thing, what would it be? I would have been five, so listen to your parents. What's the worst job you've ever had? Oh, that's a tough one. Worst job. I've loved all my jobs. <laughs> What's your favorite brunch item? Ooh, chilaquiles. Sweet or savory? Savory. If you were being sent to Mars tomorrow for the rest of your life and you can only take two people, who do you take? Elon Musk, because he probably got me there. And uh, <laughs> let's see, somebody good with music. Brittany Howard. Who's your celebrity crush right now? Oh, my gosh. That is such a tough one. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many? Name them all. <laughs> Steve Ranella. Yeah. What yeah. are you most enchanted by? Did I already ask that? Enchanted by? Yeah. <laughs> I've never had to say I'm enchanted by. Edible education. There you go. Um, Let's see. Bakersfield's best kept secret. It could be a person, place, event, whatever. Late night drives through the country when it with the windows down, 
when it's in the mid seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think of Bakersfield, what do you think of? KUZZ. Sorry. <laughs> Buck Owens. <laughs> How do you take your coffee? Black. What is your vision for the city of Bakersfield? More edible education. Uh, when you feel overwhelmed, what do you do? Breathe stomach, chest, nose, head. Uh, favorite quote? Oh my, I don't know if I have a favorite quote. Uh, shoot among the stars because if you must, you'll land among them. Ooh. Yeah. What's your sign? Oh, like my zodiac sign? Cancer. Best piece of advice you would give someone thinking about moving to Bakersfield? Do it now. Favorite Bakersfield restaurant? Moo. I'm a big so Moo fan. Um, favorite Bakersfield neighborhood? Do I have to be partial to downtown because I'm a West no. Sider? No, no. Oh, Village Green, my neighborhood. I absolutely love it. All right. You just lost five points. <laughs> no, sorry. Just kidding. Where's your dream vacation spot? I, um, I've never been to Europe. I really want to go to Europe. Do you have any hidden talents? I, yeah, that's a Johnny on the spot question. Um, oh, you got me. You stumped me on that one. <laughs> I can hidden talents. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I could tell you a lot about plants. Does that count? That does. We'll count that. What recommendation do you have uh, can be a place, thing to do, or see uh, for someone who's new to Bakersfield? Go to the mouth of the canyon and look at the river. Don't get in it. Um, And probably wind wolves. I love wind wolves. Nice. Describe the perfect party. Perfect dinner party. Total dinner party. Backyard party. Some some vino and some good food. Do you cook dinner or do you go out to eat? I cook. Well, that's depends on the evening. We cook most of the time. Who's your favorite pop star? Oh, man. Pop star. <laughs> Taylor Swift. I'll say it. Um, what's your favorite song? Alabama Shakes. Dunes. Uh, who do you look up to? I look up to a lot of people. Um, I'd, I'd say one of my the biggest people I look up to is our, uh, this is our garden programs administrator, John Vitaretta. He's been such a mentor to me throughout the past five years we've known each other. I look up, up to him a lot. That's awesome. I don't even have a question for you because that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good because that's time. Oh, <laughs> Perfect. Wow. That was a good one to end on. I was like, let's just yeah. end it there. That's so yeah. sweet. Uh, 32 questions answered. <sighs> wow. No, bad. What's the record? Uh, I think it's like 38. Yeah. Okay. I got close. Yeah, you did. That's awesome. It Not- was that hidden talents question. That yeah. Yeah. That one really. <laughs> no, you did a good job. Thanks. Very good job. Hey, Dylan, thank you so much for being yeah. part of the Hello Bakersfield podcast. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. This was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. So thanks, thanks for that. having me. Aww, <laughs> happy to have you. You sounded really sincere when you said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God, I believe it. Yeah. Brian, we're going to take that clip and use it for our promos, right? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Hey, thank you again to Dylan Wilson, Edible Schoolyards. God bless you, man. Yeah. Keep up the great work. A big thanks to our guest host, Miranda 
Whitworth, Munoz for stepping in today, filling in for Rachel Magnus, Magnus, who's on assignment. And a big thanks to all of you, our listeners, for listening in, for being faithful, for for providing feedback, and if I can talk, (laughs) uh, for subscribing to our podcast and downloading it and spreading the word. A big thanks to Brian Boozer at Om Studios for producing today's show. Thanks to Hate Drugs for our opening and closing theme music. And thank you to the citizens of Bakersfield for all their work of making our community a better place to live. That's our show. Until next time, bye Bakersfield. Bye Bakersfield. Adios. Bye Bakersfield. Ciao Bakersfield. Bakersfield.